I'm Kate Remington with composer Takeshi Furukawa, and we talked a few years ago about your soundtrack for The Last Guardian, which is absolutely gorgeous and I absolutely loved. And since then, you've been super busy, um, among other things, writing the music for Mythic Quest for Apple TV, which is amazing. And it's really fantastic to have a chance to catch up again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great. Well, I've really been enjoying your music for Planet of Lana. It's a brand new game from Wishfully Studios and just, just came out. And first of all, congratulations on, a, on an absolutely stunning score. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank, thank you. I, I, <laughs> that's very generous and gracious words. I hope you enjoyed the music. It's just absolutely beautiful. The game has hand-painted backgrounds, and um, it's a kind of a simple story. It's a beautiful landscape, Planet Novo, which um, Lana and her sister Elo live on with their villagers. And all of a sudden, there's a robot invasion, and Elo's captured. Lana uh, has a mission to go and, and get her back, and she has some help with <laughs> an, an adorable little creature. Um, so I'm curious about how you hooked up with uh, Wishfully, the studio, and what their pitch was for you for the game. Yeah, so um, the story goes, I'm sure you know this might have been seen somewhere out there in the internet. Um, I've told this many times. Um, there was an early um, still image. It was kind of like um, a concept art that Adam, the creator, had shown off at the Swedish Game Developers Conference very early on. This is back in 2017 or 18. And that image is, it's its the key art that everyone sees associated with the game. It's like Lana and Mui um, standing in the field and there's like the, the scout bot on the, on the um, cliff or on the big ledge. Um, anyhow, that caught my eye too. And so I, you know, it's just the art, art style is, as you said, it's, it's beautiful. It's very unique. Um, they're trying to do something different from a myriad of games out there where you know, everyone's trying to go for that realistic look and they're not. They they have a particular art style that they're embracing and they're saying it very boldly and loudly and clearly. And I, I really love that type of artistic ethos. So anyhow, I, I reached out to Adam um, saying like, hey, this this looks great. Do you guys have a composer? I think I could put some music to this if you guys are interested and I, I definitely am interested in your arts fantastic and you know things took off from there we were talking for about a year just exchanging ideas mainly because um i think they weren't at the stage where the game was in full development yet so it's been a long long journey together well i'm curious about what the iterations were like then if you had that much time to really plan out what the music was going to sound like how it was going to support the game you know ultimately it does a lot of the emotional heavy lifting but how did you you all finally get to that point? So uh, very early on, I think everyone was thinking, just, just doing like a very straightforward interpretation. And I, I hope that doesn't come across in a negative light. You know, like indie games of this kind of a scale, there's a certain sound that one might expect, um, like a smaller, maybe perhaps a artistic, but smaller chamber ensemble or lots of solo instruments that would kind of stand shoulder to shoulder with the scope of the game and both the budgetary scope and also just like the entire scope of the game. So, you know, we were having conversations like, oh, okay, well, do you want to do like a piano and string score? Maybe like a solo cello, um, I don't know, maybe even like esoteric traditional instruments in like a solo capacity to keep things small and sweet. So that was kind of a conversation that was brewing before they actually started building the levels. Um, because as you know, you know, game development, there's there's certain, well, there's certain infrastructure that needs to kind of get built out before you could really take off with the development. And then once development began and we started seeing like the first levels come together and getting really a feel for like the gameplay, being able to get your hands on the game and play it through, you know, that that informs us of like the pacing and just like how tactile the game feels. And that creates an emotional response to you as a player once you're able to get your hands into it and that's really like like a eureka moment for music too because then you could really kind of put to the test the litmus test whether your conceptual music is going to work or not and i think we we very quickly figured out that no 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 this, the music needs to be much bigger it needs to feel a lot bigger it needs to essentially be larger than the scale of what we're seeing on screen um so we just 
course corrected there and went full-blown orchestra and um, hopefully hopefully it worked It really does. It's so, so lush and so gorgeous. And the developers have been really open about how influenced they were with Studio Ghibli's films like Spirited Away. And Johi Saishi has written some incredible soundtracks for those. Was that a reference point for you at all? Honestly, no. Um, I love um, Saishi-san's works and I would never even attempt to emulate. That's, that's, I, I, I don't, I should not be in the same, I don't deserve to be in the same room with him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, truth be told, I, I think um, uh, I'm Japanese, but I grew up here in the West. I, I grew up here in the United States. So um, if I may be kind of so bold as to say, I, I think my musical language and sensibilities is a little bit different from, say, like a Japanese composer, um, mainly because I just haven't really grown up in Japan. I mean, I speak the language. My parents are fully Japanese and, you know, um, my family is back there. My brother lives there too. But I think my musical inclinations lean more towards Western sensibilities, whether it be like harmonic progressions or, you know, choice use of instruments or even like melodic contours. So while, you know, I, I aspired to try to be at the lowest totem pole when compared to Saishan. Um, I did not take any direct cues or, you know, influences from him. I was not conscious of that when I was writing the music. Yeah. Well, the, the overall sweep and scope of the music is just so wonderful. And once you kind of got that concept down that you wanted a full orchestra, um, what were some of the first things that you worked out? Was it the themes? Yes, the first thing was definitely the themes. There is a particular theme, as I'm assuming you've played the game or you, you've kind of looked into the story. There is one particular theme, which is what we're calling the progeny theme, which ties into the story and the gameplay. And we needed to make sure that was figured out. Um, there were a couple of um, mandates that we collectively, myself and Klaus, the creative director, um, by the way, there's two directors in this game, Adam and Klaus, they're co-directors. Um, Adam kind of deals more with the technical stuff and Klaus is dealing more with the artistic stuff. So my main correspondence was with Klaus. Um, and we were trying to, so early on, we had this conversation trying to um, set the parameters for the progeny theme. You know, it had to be memorable. It had to be simple. It can't, it has to be short. Um, kind of like um, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, the, like a five note motif, I think. Actually, yeah, our, ours is a five-note motif, too. So they're, <laughs> hey, maybe I did something right, you know, following in the footsteps of the great John Williams. Uh, so, yeah, we, we had to nail that down first. Um, and then one of the things that I also wanted to do was I wanted to make it as simple as possible, which I said, but also playable on the piano um, for a beginning student. My my daughter at the time was three, and she was just starting to tinker on the plunk notes on the piano. So I wanted to make sure that if and ever she wanted to try to play it on the piano, it would be playable for 
children. Well, I mean, that's the sentimental, emotional vest investment that I had for the theme. But I, I do think it's it's important that a theme is very clear, concise, and simple so that it sticks. So we were trying to make sure we checked all those boxes. That's a wonderful motivation for creating a theme. I don't think anybody that I've talked with has ever come up with, with that idea. So that's, that's really special. That's really sweet. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the relationships that Lana has, she's got two really important relationships, one with her sister Elo and one with the little animal that she finds, Mui. And maybe describe how you supported their relationships with, with the two uh, tracks on the soundtrack um, that, you know, kind of reflect those relationships. Uh, quite simply, there's just, they're supported by themes. Um, because we were, so it's a melodic theme, it's a motivic theme. I wasn't too concerned about segregating or differentiating instrumentation because I think it was clear that we needed to use the full might and the full scope of the orchestra. So, and these themes are going to appear in different iteration and instrumentation settings. At the end of the day, I, I don't think there's as many variations ended up in the game um, as we were conceptualizing, but still, um, it's just two <laughs> themes. One for Elo, one for Mui, um, and yeah, it's that. That's how we kind of tag their sounds. What's really um, it had a lot of emotional impact for me was when Lana meets Mui. But maybe we should back up and explain what happened before that, because I think that's one of the reasons why it's so emotionally powerful, because Lana and Elo are just kind of frolicking around in, in their village and climbing on rocks and stuff. And all of a sudden, these robot 
robots come and invade. And that cue in the game is absolutely terrifying because it happens so slowly and it seems really inexorable. And maybe talk about how you built up that cue for the for the robot invasion because it's horrifying. It, it, it is. Um, it, it's it's a definitely a turning point in the story. Where actually it's the main catalyst of the story, shall we say? Yeah. Um, so the the driving force for that cue was it was the technical uh, requirement. <laughs> so you know it's it's uh, very closely connected to gameplay. You're starting to run back to the village, and then um, there's sneaks and stealth elements and stuff like that. And then the music needed to follow the contour of the game, gameplay. Um, so in instances as such. Um, you know, you really have to compose in a way that you can um, adhere to those requirements. So, for example, you know, it, it's it, it's great that you kind of very generously interpreted it as like a slow build, slow burn crescendo towards like that big village. But really, for me, it was just, OK, well, I need to make this work. So there's going to be a vamp that's going to just like loop throughout all this. And then at certain points where there's a flag, when it player meet you know crosses a checkpoint will trigger individual bass clarinet phrases in sync with the beat and that that was really just my thought process i was just trying to make it work and fit the scene
What was really cool is I got zapped by robots a few times as I was trying to get to safety. And you did such a great job with with the stems and making it you know, very cleanly start back up again. Um, what kind of challenges is that a challenge for you, or is it just you know part of part of the job now? Oh, that's again. You see, you're, you're being too generous. You're giving me all the credit, which I, I cannot <laughs> take the credit for that. That was um, done by Francesco Ameglio. He is our wonderful sound director, sound designer, um, and he. So for the sound work, it was mainly me. Francesco and Klaus um, and Klaus and Francesco was doing more of the implementation and all the sound also the sound effect and the environmental sounds and also the voice work as well so um, whatever worked really well for implementation and segues and stuff that's all him <laughs> well I was really struck by the, the the instrumentation of that track too because of the bass clarinet because you don't hear it a lot in game soundtracks or at least I haven't and so it was a really cool choice. Oh, thank you. I I, I love woodwinds. I'm a sucker for woodwinds, and I, I love using unusual instruments as well. I, I'm always. I don't think I'm ever trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole. It wasn't like a oh, we got to make this work with the bass clarinet. It just seemed like a very logical choice because it's very foreboding and ominous. You know, like just the timbre of it. Yeah, well, it even kind of looks scary because if you see one in real life, you know, it's got that extra curve and all that extra body work, basically. Oh, yeah, like a bass clarinet. And also, I always joke with like my orchestra, like a chimbasso. It feels like you could like fire projectiles from those two instruments. <laughs> well, let, let's actually talk about the recording session. I'm sure there weren't any projectiles flying, but um, it must have been just. I don't know. It's such a thrill to to hear an orchestra playing your music. Does that ever get old? It, it never gets old. It, it never gets old. These there's so many wonderful musicians. You know, in uh, so we recorded in Budapest. Budapest is a very musical city. So many wonderful musicians, and you always go into so two things. You always go into a recording session thinking like, oh, this is you know my synth mockups sound great. This is great, um, and then you're always they always exceed your expectations and it sounds a billion times better when the live musicians put that human element into it also the other thing is you know i'm always going into a recording session always wor worried about certain technical passages um not so much on this score i don't think there's a lot of technical you know very flourishy uh, notes in in this score but sometimes i go into a recording session thinking like oh my gosh i'm like very nervous with like a violin run or something like that and they always like they don't bat an eyelash, they pass with flying colors. So the, those those two things have been like a constant in my career when um, having the uh, privilege of recording orchestras. Amazing. Yeah, that's a, that is really cool. I mean, what was your like primary instrument growing up or did you just start out composing? Uh, so my primary instrument was the piano. I started piano lessons um, very poorly um, around three. And then I also asked my parents for string lessons, um, because um, I so I went to a school here in the States. And you know, in, in elementary schools, there's like always like a music program. And in grade one, they make you choose an instrument just so that you can kind of, you know, um, pick up a uh, pick up music. And I picked up the violin. Um, but I very uh, quickly realized that I love the tone of the viola, it's just darker, uh, lower. So I asked for viola lessons, and I was studying it um, throughout high school, so from elementary school to high school, but I was never too good at it. It's, I mean, I loved it, but I, it, it was just not me. So I am a poor viola player at best, um, but it did help me learn the to, to write for the strings, which is really, to me, it's the foundation of the orchestral sound. I mean, if you can balance your string orchestra, then you can balance the orchestra. Sure. Well, the cool thing about viola, too, is that they often get those kind of inner voices and the harmonies and stuff. So you're sort of really getting inside the music and not just getting the melody or or the bass line. You've got the middle part there. So, you know, the cream in between the two Oreos. A absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, violas are way too often neglected. You know, I think uh, um, for better or worse, when we write film music, we write in a very, uh, when I say classical, like, um, it's not very complex contrapuntal writing, especially in the lower voices of the orchestra, right? They're always like supporting the bass and the harmony and stuff. So um, quite often, unfortunately, violas and celli and basses um, are relegated to supporting roles where the violins always kind of gets the lick. Because I was in the orchestra playing viola, I think, you know, I have a natural affinity trying to 
give those moments more to to like the inner voice movements and stuff like that to the lower strings and they sound beautiful too they could definitely like create this timbral you know lyrical line which can't be done with the violin just because of the size of their bodies the instrument bodies and the timbre yeah that's really that's really neat it's it's funny that you know a lot of composers have to like admits secretly like it's this closely guarded secret that they're fond of the viola so <laughs> it's just kind of <laughs> <laughs> well I, I will say it open very open and loudly I, I love yeah, it yeah yeah that's so great well now that we've gone through all the drama of of the invasion and then finally Lana meets this little little animal Mui and like I said it's a really it had a lot of emotional impact for me because she's lost so much and yet now she's got somebody who's going to help her on this quest to find her sister and i'm wondering what the challenges were for you with that cue to kind of give that such uh you know emotional weight um so the motivation for the movie cue was also the same i was trying to make it as simple as possible and also playable on the piano so it's just parallel harmony so there's no thirds in the chord it's just perfect fifth just kind of like the progeny theme it's just perfect fifths in in the chord um the harmony so that was kind of my primary thought process and then from there once that theme the the melodic theme was done um you kind of have to give away to the strings and let them do their thing so that it kind of fits the contour of the scene sound horrible if I said really there wasn't like much deep thought that was put into it (laughs) (laughs) well it's great to be honest I mean and I think a lot of times what happens as you're playing a game is you put that emotional weight on the music that maybe wasn't there but it's just where you happen to be psychologically with what's going on in the game so that kind of gives you a pass a little bit (laughs) lightens the load maybe (laughs) yeah i i don't think i ever like overly complicate like the thought process behind some of these um i I know um there are many composers who who do these like out there who do these like wonderful cerebral academic structuring of like oh you know like the melody's doing this there's this interval here which represents this um i've never been one for that i think my head would explode it's just too complicated for me the only probably um litmus test for me is if i like it and if there's even a single thing in that cue or that moment which kind of like tickles my fancy like you know gets me excited then then i could move forward with confidence that i think other people would similarly do me you know the honor of finding this cue or piece of music interesting or at least palatable um so that's the only really the only thing I look for I mean I think I really do wear my emotions on my sleeves when I just comes to writing music and I just let the music take its course and if I could find one thing which is like oh cool hey not bad then that's that's good enough for me (laughs) what kind of feedback did you get you know through the process from Klaus I mean were there any like false starts that you made or extra guidance uh, that he gave you with you know tailoring the music to a particular moment in the game no um Klaus was great he's he was great uh, in, in the sense that he trusted my instincts and my process 
there were a couple of places where, you know, our instincts were differing, where he was going thinking big and I was going small and vice versa. So, of course, in that instance, you know, he's a director. I gladly um, adjust to his request. Um, and he's right. He's 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 always right because he is not kind of engulfed in looking at the details. He's always looking at the big picture. So they were always good notes. Um, it's it's great being able to work with someone like Klaus because he would never you know come and say like oh this second bassoon note here is not you know, he wouldn't never do that it's it's always like big picture stuff that just um is is crucial to the ebb and flow of the game from like a macroscopic level and he really kind of just like lets you take care of all the the um, microscopic details which which is great for us composers because that's where we kind of really get have our fun right like because we are when we are writing for film tv and games we are always writing to another medium or someone else's project there's these bigger um parameters that are set in place where you have to adhere to so it's not so in, in like a big picture level you can't do whatever you want because you have to follow these rules and restrictions but then when you kind of get to the fine details that's where that's kind of like your sandbox and playgrounds like oh well you know they're never going to notice this, but I'm going to do this. And that's just going to be my little Easter egg, or that's going to be my you know, self-satisfaction thing. And it, it's great when like directors don't really like micromanage you there because that's where composers can have fun. Sure. Are, are there any, any tracks that you want to share or talk about where you were able to like really put your own little touches in? Mm, I, I really do like that track Planetarium. It's, it's one of the very different tracks amongst a collection of orchestral tracks that's yeah that, that was kind of me just I, I think at that point in the game I, I had enough written enough orchestral cues where I was like I need a brief respite I'm not going to use like the full 2D orchestra for this and let's just go to the piano and maybe a solo instrument and see what I can get away with so that was a fun one
Yeah, I really like that one too. And it does stand out because it's so simple and so spare with just the piano and the trumpet. And then, you know, the strings come in gradually. Um, I haven't gotten that far in the game, so I don't know if you can talk about the context of it without any spoilers, but maybe that would help people kind of visualize it. Yeah, so the track is, you know, as you said, um, it's a solo piano just providing an ostinato and a, a trumpet, a solo trumpet um, playing the melody until the latter half, the same thing is echoed by the string orchestra. Well, there's harmony, obviously, because there's contrapuntal lines, you know, lines, multiple lines going, and then there's harmony in that sense where there's the intervals create like a sense of harmony, but it's not very like blocked chord writing. That's the other thing that was kind of fun for me with that one. I, I wasn't thinking like, oh, okay, well, you know, like the progression is going to be like uh, six, two, five, four, one, going to three minor or something like that. I, that. That wasn't my thought process. It was just, let's let the piano kind of do its thing and then let the trumpet, you know, do the melody. And hey, cool, there's a minor third there. that That's a good interval, you know, like, oh, that's a perfect fifth. That's a good interval. Um, it's very uh, like um, uh, what's call it? Uh, re Renaissance, Renaissance, um, old style writing where you know harmony back then, as you know, was defined by just the coincidences of occurrences of two lines, kind of creating intervals that were harmonious. Um, so that was kind of the thought process for that. Yeah. yeah, that's really neat. Do you sit at a keyboard and compose, or does it just kind of come out of your head? Uh, yeah, mainly I, I sit at my desk and I just go straight into the sequencer. Um, for thematic stuff, I, I think that those are kind of like what we call like the shower, dog walk, jogging moments, you know, <laughs> where we're kind of doing our exercises or whatnot, and then we're singing in our head. But um, when it comes to actually writing cues and putting substance, um, so like, putting the meat onto the bones to flesh out a cue. Um, I just go straight into sequencers. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting process. I mean, I've talked with some composers who sit at a piano with a piece of manuscript paper and write stuff down. And then others, you know, they're just right there putting what they've got into the sequencer and stuff. So it's, it's neat that there are so many different ways of working. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone has their own methods. Um, and also it's it's always fun because you never know when you're going to get that light bulb moment. And it's like, oh, that's that's great. And then you're kind of like disappointed in yourself once that strikes, because you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that five days ago? Why, why did it take me so long to you know get to this point? Yeah. But it, I, I think that's one of the most fun moments for me. Um, in almost every project I have, like, you know, you know that, oh, you're going to have to come up with this theme until next Friday. And it's it's always like a race against time where it's like, oh, crap, you know, nothing good came today, too. And the next day you're like, oh, I, I still don't have every, anything. I still don't have the elf theme. I still don't have the human theme, whatever. Um, and then, you know, one day out of the blue, you weren't even thinking about music. If you were just like at Trader Joe's shopping or something, and then like something strikes. It's like, oh, hey, that's going to work. And you're thinking like, oh, why didn't I think of that, you know, two weeks ago? <laughs> well, what are some of the things that you do to, I guess, kind of jumpstart your creativity if you are coming down close to the deadline and you haven't come up with a theme yet? Stepping away is always good. To be completely honest, once I start a project, I try not to listen to other music, like reference music, for two reasons. I mean, one, the obvious one is via osmosis, you might kind of get influenced by it. But then more so, in honesty, it's like you just don't have time because you're so kind of engulfed in your own musical world. So um, mainly just stepping away, you know, not for me, trying to get that musical spark, I think always comes from just stepping away from it, hmm. from music altogether and just doing something different. And, and um yeah, giving your brain a chance to kind of reboot. I guess it's almost like a computer. You got to shut it down once and then like power it back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopefully it'll come back up with some ideas. Yeah. Hopefully it'll come back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I would imagine made this an interesting project are all the different areas on the planet where Lana goes. She's not just in the beautiful green forest, but she also visits some islands and there's a shipwreck and a desert. And it'd be neat to, I don't know, to find out how you used those environments in the music as well, or how you kind of supported them with the music. 
Sure. Um, so there's all, obviously all these different biomes, which kind of needs their own sound. But um, we decided to take the or what I like to call the orchestral opera approach, where instead of going to traditional instrument sources, so, you know, relying on an actual duduk um, for like a desert scene, um, bringing up I'm just pulling this out of the wild, like bringing on ukulele and marimbas for like a beach scene or whatnot. Uh, instead of doing that, using the orchestral, traditional orchestral palettes and trying to conjure that sense of the exotic using still the organic traditional orchestral elements, like, like what they do in operas, right? Like, so that's why I like to call it like the opera approach. So, you know, using the English horn, um, having the strings, still using the strings, but having them do the glissando for like that desert-y feel, um, which obviously, you know, this isn't anything new. Composers have done it for eons. Um, but that was kind of the approach that we took for this one as well, um, mainly because we wanted to stay in the orchestral world. And also, realistically, it was a budgetary concern as well, to be completely honest. Sure. Yeah. Well, you you were you used the orchestra so well and the desert cues in, in particular really capture the the mystery and just that sense of an endless desert just stretching out ahead of Lana. And so um, it's it, it works really well. And I, I wouldn't have known that it was like a cost cutting measure, or, you know, a money saving measure to, to not use um, exotic instruments. So oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're always conscious of budgets on every project. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what, you know, this project let you do with your music that you hadn't been able to do before. Um, it, it really, it, it was fun um, for me to be able to write these melodies, I guess, because for, for example, for The Last Guardian, um, that was also a very big orchestral score, but melody, motif, 
you know, the, the singing lines weren't really at the forefront of that score. For that one, we were trying to be less verbose and kind of just like set a mood and make sure that music was always one step back from everything else. Um, whereas for Lana, um, you know, just melody, melody, melody. Um, that, that, I mean, you know, that's, that's how we kind of told the story. So um, that was really fun. Um, also for this one, I've never been a synth guy. I mean, I, I love the sound of synths. It's just, I don't feel that it's my forte and I would be the first to admit it. But because of the subject matter of, of the story, and I'm sure you could, you know, easily imagine how synths would work really well with an invading robot force kind of trying to tag their identity with that. So I, I got to play around in that kind of a world as well, which was which was really fun. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll get better at it. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. I'll, I'll let you guys be the judge whether it worked or not, or if I succeeded at all, but um, it, it was at least fun. So I'd like to continue that path. Well, what I liked about it was it was really subtle. I mean, it just, it was kind of, you know, acknowledging that, yeah, there are robots here and they're up to no good, um, but you didn't like go all in with the synths. And so it just kind of, it blends nicely with the rest of the soundtrack. Oh, thank you. You know, that's, you're, you're too generous with your, like your interpretation <laughs> of this situation. That was really me. That wasn't me trying to like purposefully hold back and be subtle and tasteful it, it was me instead of diving into the pool kind of like dipping my toe in into that <laughs> and see like see how it would work so it was kind of like proceeding with caution sure <laughs> well this game has gotten so many just incredible reviews and it's one of the few games where I've read reviews and that actually calls out how great the music is too which is fantastic and it must be just I don't know, so great to finally be able to to talk about it and have have this music, you know, you're able to share it with the world now. Yeah, it, it's been living in my mind and um, computer hard drives for the better part of five years. Hmm. Um, so it's definitely fantastic um, to be able to share, you know, share essentially one's own baby, a musical baby with the world. Um, also, yeah, it, the, the devs, um, the studio, the publisher, also the journalists who reviewed the game, they've been so gracious and generous, you know, with their attention on the music, because that that almost never happens. You're yeah. right? Like there's so many games out there with so much great score and music is always just like a one sentence or something or even like ignored altogether. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. you know, honestly, I'm at a loss of words. I, I don't know what I did to deserve 
kind of all the attention that this music is getting. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it, it well, first of all, it's fantastic, but also I think it's anticipation because we've been hearing about this game for years and now it's finally here <laughs> and we can play it and we can hear all the music. So, Absolutely. I, I really do think it's a testament to the art and that initial, really the initial concept image that Adam had and his vision. Um, all, you know, in every project, I think there's always a between me and like the art department or me against everyone else where I just have to like me internally I'm like I have to make sure that music is not the the suckiest element like (laughs) we're always trying to help you know this one up each other um so yeah that was it's always good motivation it's good for the project it's fun the the camaraderie and the healthy competition is great and it's just motivating you know to be able to and it's inspiring to be able to work with these talented people who are so excellent at their craft. Yeah, it doesn't look like a game that was made by a really small studio. It it looks like a game that had hundreds of people working on it. So that's that's a real you know mark of superiority, I think, uh, that they were able to to make it look like such a big budget and big studio game. You know, I I really agree. Um, it, it's I think it really just boils down to that the talent of the individual members in studio wishfully studio it's not a big studio as you said it, i think there's what like less than 15 people I, i'm not sure what the end number was but everyone just pulls so much weight really anecdotal you know recently i was talking to a vfx supervisor who was saying exactly the same thing that you know when you think of vfx houses um, doing things like like at, at like ILM and stuff like that. There's hundreds of people. You you've seen those long lists of credits, right? Like yeah. at the end of the movie. But he was like stressing how important the capabilities and the skill and the talent of one individual artist is because you know there's hundreds of people because there's so much to be done. But one person might be responsible for the dragon, it, dragon in every scene, and his talent and skill level will really define how, how well that dragon comes out, um, ultimately comes out and materializes on screen for the entire show or the entire film. So it really, really is dependent on, again, like the skill level of each individual really comes down to the granular unit of like one person. And I got to say, everyone at Wishfully, it's just, it's mind boggling. You know, I, I see all these exchanges going on on Slack. Um, and I was fortunate enough to observe like the workings of like, you know, the coding and the art and everything. And it's amazing. It's it's really a privilege to be able to call those people colleagues. Wow. That's so great. Well, the the end result is just phenomenal. And Takeshi, it's been so wonderful to talk with you about it. And I really appreciate your time. And I'm sure we'll be connecting again uh, for your next game soundtrack. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Kate.